From Parkway Church in Kurana, this is the Parkway Podcast. Our prayer is that this message blesses and encourages you today as you listen. If you would like to know more information on who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. Now we're starting a new series today called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, and it's based off of this book by uh, author and writer and pastor John Mark Comer out of Oregon. Um, everything that we're going to be talking and discussing kind of comes from, from this book in this series. Out of all books that I've read this year, this is top shelf. It's, it's changing my life. It was actually recommended to me by Pastor Mitch, um, and I've, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and it's, and it's shaping me. And I think it's a needed discussion for today. I think it's a very needed discussion for today, and ironically, we're going to be discussing it during a time when we're restricted when we are limited, when we've been restricted from doing maybe things that cause us to be in a hurried position. So let's bow our heads, let's pray, and then we'll get into the talk this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness and for your faithfulness. Lord, as we sung today, it, your goodness and your faithfulness, your love is running after us. We see that through Jesus, we see that through the cross, and so we just praise you this morning. Praise you that you are worthy of our worship regardless of how we worship. Regardless of where we worship, you are still worthy. And we just ask today as we look to, to your word and as we, as we talk about this topic, would you speak to every heart? Lord, you know every person, you know every position, God. You know our state of mind, our state of being, you know our circumstances. And so would you speak to each of us, Lord, as only you can speak this morning and Lord, I really ask, Father, that as we look at this topic and we look at these things, Lord, over the next number of weeks, would you just begin to really shape our community of faith here at Parkway, God? Lord, so often we go through a series of messages, God, and, and often we can be encouraged or even challenged, but how often do we actually put those into practice? And so I pray, God, that today we would be doers of your word, not just hearers of it, God. That not just today, Lord, but all time, we would be doers of your word and not just hearers. So impact us today, touch us as only you can. And Lord, we pray that you're honored by how we are receptive to your word. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray today. Amen. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Matthew chapter 11. This is our key verse for this series. Uh, Jesus' words, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, all the way to 30. I'm reading from the NIV version this morning. And it says this, come to me, this is Jesus talking. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now this is a popular verse, probably more well-known than others, and we often look to this verse when we are tired or overwhelmed or stressed, and someone would share, hey, you know, the Bible says, or Jesus says, come to me when you're weary and burdened, he'll give you rest. Just go to Jesus and you'll find rest. And I believe that to be true. But I think there's a, a larger invitation that Jesus is giving us here into a, a way of life, a way of living that, frankly, I don't think a lot of us are living. And it's a way of life that gives us rest in the midst of the chaotic world that we live in, in a 21st century westernized uh, culture. So let me introduce you to our problem and, and why more than ever we need to enter into a way of following Jesus that is truly countercultural, and if not um, before, more now than ever. So it's Tuesday morning this past week, and like many mornings and other moments in my life, uh, my alarm goes off. 
I have an alarm on my, my watch. It goes off so I don't wake up my wife, Jody. And I press snooze uh, about three times. That's probably routine for me. It's just what I do. I know I probably shouldn't. I know statistics and studies say you got to get out of bed right away, but I don't. I press snooze a couple times because I'm tired, because I went to bed late. And I know I should have went to bed late. I should have probably went to bed earlier, but I didn't. And I roll out of bed, and I have a very short window to do all the things that I need to do. And again, I know I probably should have prepped ahead of time. I probably should have went to bed earlier, but I didn't. So I got this short window of time to do all these things that I need to do. I need to, you know, get breakfast going. I need to make a lunch for when I come to the office. You know, I need to get ready, get the kids, uh, make sure they're getting ready. And they, they do some chores in the morning, so make sure they're doing the chores and remind them. If you have kids, you got to remind them like 35 million times to do the things you ask them to do. So I reminded them, and then I got to take care of the cat because we have this really fussy cat that if I don't change the litter box in the morning, it's going to let me know later on. And, and so I got to do all these things, and I just feel rushed. I just feel hurried. I just feel tense and I feel stressed. And I wonder, does that resonate with anybody? We, we live in a very uh, busy and, and hurried uh, culture and society. We are a generation of people who have so many things to do and little time to do it. I read a story this uh, year from a book by a Canadian author named Leighton Ford, and it really hit home. And it's this, some some executives of some very large companies were discussing together um, priorities and sorting out the important from the, the urgent. And one of them said with a laugh, he said, I spent most of last year on planes, visiting plants around the world. And at the end of the year, I added up all my flight times, related that to the airspeed of the planes I was on and the number of hours in a year. And I realized that my body speed had averaged about 45 miles per hour for a year. And then he said this, I have little time to slow down. And isn't that like all of us? We feel like we have so many things going on, so many plates spinning, so many commitments that we have little time to take it slow. And maybe not right this moment or, you know, right this couple weeks because we're in a lockdown, whatever. But just this is, this is our life, generally speaking. And slow isn't attractive in our society. We live in a fast-paced society. Slow is a pejorative. When, when a restaurant, you're at a restaurant, you're having a meal and the service is lousy, you call it Slow. You go to a movie or you're watching a movie at home and, and it's a little boring, it's dragging on, you say it was slow, right? Someone with a low IQ, we call them slow. Fast is what we want. Fast is what our society is driving for. And if we want to accomplish all that we've got to accomplish in the little time that we have, we need to move quickly. We need to move fast. Little time to do everything. So ultimately, I need to hurry. We're living in what many call a pandemic. Uh, and while this one has the ability to make us sick and put those most vulnerable at risk, there is a greater pandemic that is not only detrimental to our bodies because it can cause us stress, which in turn impacts us physically, but it's been killing us spiritually for decades. And it's hurry. It's hurry. Modern psychologists and mental health professionals call it hurry sickness. It's labeled a disease. It's actually a disease. One definition of hurry sickness is this, a behavior pattern characterized by continual rushing and anxiousness. Here's another. A malaise in which a person feels chronically short of time and so tends to perform every task faster 
and gets flustered when entering any kind of delay, encountering any kind of delay. That one hit me a little bit. Meyer Friedman, the cardiologist who was famous for theorizing the A-type personality, for those of you who are A-type, defined hurry sickness like this. A continuous struggle and unremitting attempt to accomplish or achieve more and more things or participate in more and more events in less and less time. And that was in the 50s. That's like 70 years ago. Before the time of lockdowns and COVID, how many of us would go to um, any type of store, mostly the grocery store, and we're about to check out and we look for the shortest lane. We look for the lane that's going the fastest because we want to get through quickly. You know, or when you're traveling, you're on the road driving, you know, you look ahead to see how many cars are in front of you or how many cars are in this lane and you look to whichever one's the shortest. Maybe you're crossing the border and you're looking at all the lanes there. You're trying to determine which one's moving a little bit quicker. And I don't know if you're like me, but this happened to me all the time is I'd get in one that appeared to be going the fastest or the shortest. And then the moment I stepped into it, it just became really slow. This is, this is our life, right? Um, we all suffer from what health professionals have labeled as hurry sickness. We are in a hurried state and we've normalized it. This is normal for us. It's our life. It's what we do. And it's been killing us long before COVID. And it has been killing our spiritual life long before lockdowns. John Mark Comer, in the book, he tells the story of uh, John Ortberg. John Ortberg is a, an author and pastor out of California, very uh, famous uh, uh, author and pastor. You may have read some of his books he was having a phone call with the late great philosopher and thinker Dallas Willard. And John was getting caught up in like the megachurch fast-paced life. And so he called up Dallas Willard and asked him, what must I do to become the me I want to be? What, what do I got to do to be healthy again? I thought, just thought for a moment, isn't that what we all want? We want to be the best version of ourselves. So there's a long silence on the other end of the phone and then Dallas spoke up and he said this, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. So John said, man, that's good. He wrote it down. And then he said, what else? There's a long pause again. And then Dallas spoke up and he said, there's nothing else. Hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry. You know, if you and me at Parkway Church if we wanna take closer steps to Jesus, if we wanna grow in our spirituality, if we want freedom from our hangups, if we wanna become the best version of ourselves, we want healthier relationships, we must eliminate hurry because hurry is the great enemy. And I just kinda of paused for a second. I thought like, is that what you and I would say is the great enemy or killer to spiritual life today? Like we might say like postmodernism or secular pluralism or the erosion of the nuclear family or the redefinition of sexuality, the rise of extreme liberalism or even the extreme right now, but hurry? And if you think about how Satan works in our culture, he's a lot more subtle and cunning than many of us realize. He's more likely to pop up as an alert on your phone when you're trying to read the Bible if you have enough time to read your Bible because you're so hurried, you don't have enough time, or so busy, got so many things to do, you have little time to slow down. Or maybe he'll, he'll compel you just to watch one more episode, even though you've binge-watched, you know, five or a season already. You know, or maybe just stay a little bit longer at the office and finish that project, or go in on the weekend, because it's so important that you get it done, or 
maybe have another practice on Sunday morning before we weren't allowed to have practices because of pandemic. It's commitment after commitment to make you busier and busier and busier because the busier you are in life, the more that you have to do, the more hurried you become. And the more hurried you become, the less likely you are to invest in and become like Jesus. The more hurried you are, the less likely you are to invest in and become like Jesus. Corey Ten Boom once said this, if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. Busy. Think about when somebody asks you how you're doing. How's it going? What do you say? Or what do you more often hear? You say, good, busy. I think even this week, that's been like 99% of the answer I've heard from people. How's things going? Good, busy. And for the most part, I've given this answer, right? And I, I, I don't think it's, mis- I used to think it's not a wrong answer. I thought it was a good answer because, right, busy keeps us going, keeps the mind going. Idle hands are the devil's workshop. And you'll find this answer everywhere. Every ethnic group, every age, every gender, college students are busy, parents are busy, empty nesters are busy, retirees are busy, baristas are busy. Pastor Mitch is a barista on the side. CEOs are busy, you know, we're busy people and this is the answer we give. And often when people would give this answer, I'd say that's good, like I think that's good until all of a sudden I started thinking about this, is that really good? And there's a, there's a healthy busy, right? For, for all intents and purposes, Jesus was busy. It's, the problem is not having too much to do, it's when you have so much to do and the only way to keep going is hurry. Both sin and busyness have the same effect. They cut off your connection to God, to people, and even our own souls. One man once said, we distract ourselves into spiritual oblivion. And this is the speed of life, right? This speed isn't shocking anybody. We all know this. This is our world. This is our society, fast. What what the shocking part may be is that we're actually saying it's a killer. But when you think about this, this speed is not godly. When you look at the life and person of Jesus, he never displayed hurry. We're gonna talk more about that over the series. We're gonna look a little bit at that. What is the highest value in God's kingdom? Anybody in the room know? Anybody that can, I, I can see an answer? What's the highest value in the kingdom of God? The greatest of these is love. Love is the highest value for God so loved the world. Love one another. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. If I have not love, I'm just a resounding symbol. God is love. Love is the highest value, but love and hurry are incompatible. We are the least loving when we're in a hurry. We are at our worst moments when we're in a hurry. When I'm in a hurry as a, as a father, as a husband, as a friend, as a pastor, when I have so many things on the go, I'm more irritable, I'm more stressed, I'm more tense, I can get angry, naggy, defensive, and these are not loving. So it's Tuesday morning. Like many moments, I'm feeling rushed and I feel like I got a lot of things to do in a short period of time. And my son comes over to me and he's like, Daddy, come check this out. And I have no idea what he wanted me to check out because I was so hurried and I snapped. I said, I can't, I got a million things to do. And I did have a million things to do, but it wasn't loving. And it wasn't worth it, looking back. Pay attention the next time you're in a hurry. Do you feel loving? Next time you're trying to drag your family out the door or accomplish that long list of to-dos, 
Do you feel love? How about joy? How about peace? Characteristics that are paramount to faith and godliness in the kingdom of God and are incompatible with hurry. Paul, in his letter to the church in Corinth, gave this um, beautiful list of all things that are love. And you often hear this, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, at weddings and, and things, you know, people renewing their vows, things like that. And the first thing on the list is patience. Love is patient. Hurry is not patient. Busyness is not patient. There was a Japanese theologian who once said this. He said, God walks slowly because he is love. If he is not love, he would have gone much faster. Love has a speed. It's an inner speed. It's a spiritual speed. It's different from the technological speed we are accustomed. It is slow, yet it is Lord over all other speeds since it is the speed of love. When you think, think about it, like when you think of a relationship with God, what is the cliche we often use? We say walk with God. We don't say run with God, move fast with God. We say I walk with God. When you look back to the Genesis story in the beginning, Adam and Eve are in the garden and it says that they heard God walking in the garden. God could have just appeared. He could have just showed up exactly where they are, but he comes in Walking. When you look at the life of Jesus, you never see him rushing to go anywhere. There are a few instances where he actually takes his time and it appears costly. Slow is not our culture. Our culture is fast, but God's kingdom and the value system of God is not of this culture. Yet so many of us reflect our culture more than we do our God. Like when, when someone looks at your life, they see what they see in themselves every day. Can people look at us and, and, and be able to see there's a difference? We say that often in church, when someone looks, can they, can they see something different about our lives? Without us opening our mouth, can they tell by the speed in which we do life? We have hurry sickness and it's killing us. Bare minimum, it's limiting our spirituality. We're crippled spiritually because of how busy and hurried we are. So, and here's the thing, it may not even be the circumstances. It may not even be the plates you have to kind of spin around, all the things you gotta juggle. It might just be your inner speed. Like, I'm doing dishes last night, ironically, about to go over this message for today, and I'm feeling hurried as I do these dishes and trying to get the kids to bed. And there's, there's, there's not a lot going on, but I just feel rushed inside. It's 10 symptoms of hurry sickness. Let me see, let's see if any of these resonate with you, okay? 10 symptoms that John Mark Homer gives from his book. First is this irritability. You get mad or frustrated or just annoyed way too easily. People have to tiptoe around your low-grade irritability. Number two, hypersensitivity. All it takes is a minor comment or hurt to hurt your feelings, a grumpy text, a call, an email to set off your day. Minor things quickly escalate into emotional events. It could show up as nitpicking or anger or anxiety, depression, maybe even tiredness, but you're hypersensitive. Number three is restlessness. When you actually try to slow down and rest, you can't relax. 
You give Sabbath a try and you hate it. You try to read and you find it boring. You can't pray because your mind is racing. You're restless. Workaholism or, or just nonstop activity. You don't know when to stop or you can't stop. Another hour, another day, another week. Accomplishment is your drug. Careerism, obsessive house cleaning, errand running. By the day's end, you've done so much that you have little left to give your spouse or your loved ones or your family. They get the leftovers of you. Emotional numbness. You just don't have the capacity to feel for another. Empathy is rare for you. You don't have time for it. Number six, out of order priorities. You feel disconnected from your identity and purpose. You're always getting sucked into the urgent. Your life is reactive. You're busier than ever, and you don't feel like you have the time for what matters most. Number seven, lack of care for your body. You don't have time for the basics, proper sleep and exercise, proper nutrition. You get sick easily. You wake up tired. You live off of caffeine, sugar, and processed foods. Number eight is escapist behaviors. When you're too tired to do what actually is life-giving for your soul, you turn to things to distract you. Overeating, over-drinking, binge-watching shows, scrolling through social media, surfing the interwebs, excessive video gaming, name your preference. And some of these things in, in healthy doses are not wrong, but when, when we abuse them to escape the day, they eat us alive. How many of us even use the term, we just want to escape, we just got to unwind? Number nine is slippage of spiritual disciplines. I think this is probably high up for many of us. You get so over busy, so the things that actually nourish your soul are the first things to go. Quiet time with the Lord, scripture reading, prayer, Sabbath, Sunday worship, fellowship with the faith community. Because the things that actually make for rest are often take emotional energy, but when you have nothing left to give, you just don't even go there. Number 10 is isolation, and not, not just from COVID, but you feel disconnected from God, from others, and from your own soul. On rare times when you do pray, you find that you can't settle your mind long enough to actually enjoy God's company. When's the last time you enjoyed God's company with prayer? Same with community and family. When you're actually with them, you're on your phone or your mind is miles away. Even when you're lonely, you come face to face with the void, and so you turn to the escapist behavior. So how do we measure? How many of those do you feel like resonate with you? Can I just be honest? I often feel these all the time, a lot of these. And the purpose is not to feel like guilty and shame, but the point is that we're busy and we lived a hurry life, and it's toxic. Hurry kills, it kills relationships, it kills godliness, it kills joy, it kills creativity, it kills health, it kills generosity, whatever your value is, it kills us. What if at the end of our life, we were in such a hurry that we missed out on all the important things? Like we started the business, but we ended the marriage. Or, or we got our kids to college, but we never taught them the way of Jesus. We made a lot of money, but we never grew rich in the things that mattered most. We watched the entire season of whatever, but we never learned to love prayer. So the question with all this, this is our problem, is where do we go from here? What 
is the solution, and it's not more time. How many of us say, I wish I had more time? I wish there was more time. I wish there was more time, but there's not. Each of us has 24 hours in the day. It has a lot more to do with how we organize our time more than anything. The average North American spends 705 hours on social media each year. That's 29 full days that you spend on social media. 2,700 hours on TV. Actually, it's 2,737. That is 114 days a year on TV. Hopefully, it's National Geographic or something educational. Probably not. The average guy spends 10,000 hours playing video games by 21 years old. You know, it takes 10,000 hours to become an expert in any field. Like, you could become a rocket scientist or you can become the best Call of Duty player ever, right? Nail it. More time is not the answer, it's how we spend the time. So let me bring it back to Matthew chapter 11. I wanna read it again, and I'm gonna read it at the end of this as well. Jesus says this, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, if we can just leave that verse up, we tend to stop after verse 28. That's kind of where we hang out. But there's this huge invitation in verses 29 to, to 30 that Jesus is giving us. Take my yoke and learn from him, for my yoke is easy. And he's not talking about egg yolk here. In the first century, a yoke was an idiom for the way a, a rabbi or a teacher would read the Torah, the first five books of the Bible or the Law of Moses. And more than that, it was his set of teachings on, on human life. It was how you would shoulder the weight of life, marriage and job and government and, and money and prayer. You know, it, it gives you the, the picture, if you know farming at all, of the yoke that would be between two oxen. It's how they shoulder the weight of the plow. It's how we shoulder the weight of life. And what made Jesus unique wasn't that he had a yoke, because most teachers and rabbis did. It was that his yoke, his way of life was easy. It was gentle. Now, rabbis had these things called disciples, and I think most of us in the room and most of us who have been in church long enough would, would know that term. We'd probably call ourselves a disciple. A disciple was a student who would learn the yoke of a rabbi. He would learn his way of life. He would learn how to shoulder the weight of life based off of this rabbi's teaching. We often use the word followers of Jesus. Um, a better way to capture the idea of a disciple and follower of Jesus is an apprentice. An apprentice of Jesus would be, would be a follower, a disciple who would apprentice under, who would learn from Jesus. Do you know what I really don't like to use the term anymore? And maybe this is gonna shock so many people. I don't even like using the term Christian anymore because so many people identify as Christian but do not reflect Christ whatsoever. Do not go to church, do not worship, do not pray, do not read their Bible. They know nothing about Christ. So I like follower of Jesus, I like disciple, I like apprentice. Think about an apprentice. I've used this term a lot lately. An apprentice is someone who learns from their teacher, from their, from their, you know, the tradesman, whoever it is, to become like them. Simply put, an apprentice and a disciple was to organize your life around three goals. Be with Jesus, become like Jesus, 
and do what he would do if he were you. And I, and I love that. That could, that could really be like a mission statement in a church, right? Why does Parkway exist? To, to be with Jesus, to, to become like Jesus, and to do what he would do if he were us. I'm gonna invite Matt, would you come back up? So what Jesus is saying in this text in Matthew 11, he's saying, come all you who are, are busy and you're hurried and you're overwhelmed by the way in which you've been doing life. Come all you who've been living a life outside of true rest. Model your life after me is what he's saying when he's saying that. Model your life after me and in doing so you will recover your soul. The whole point is to model every aspect, the entirety of your life after Jesus. And in doing so, you would unhurry your life. You'll find rest for your life. You'll have the warped parts put back into shape. You'll experience healing at the deepest parts. How many of us have those, those broken levels of our life that we just don't wanna show and so we bury them down deep? But if we take on the yoke of Jesus, the life of Jesus, his, his practices will find healing in those deepest aspects of our life. We'll experience what Jesus called living life to the full. So many people, followers of Jesus, are just pointing towards eternity that they miss out that Jesus said that you can have abundant life now. And it's by putting on his way of life. Listen, I truly believe that this, this isn't just a message for this series, but this is life change. Like, there's a part of me that just says, man, if our church community could get what we're talking about or what we're gonna be talking about in this series, we would see drastic change in our life, in your family, in your relationships. Everything would shift because we'd put on the way of Jesus. Dallas Willard, speaking of this, he had this to say. He said, in this truth lies the secret of the easy yoke. The secret involves living as Jesus lived in the entirety of his life, adopting his overall lifestyle. Now listen to this. He said, our mistake is to think that following Jesus consists of loving our enemies, going the second mile, turning the other cheek, suffering patiently and hopefully while living the rest of our life just as everybody else does. And it's a strategy bound to fail. We won't overcome the effects of hurry sickness and we won't overcome hurry sickness and we won't unhurry our lives by just adding these teachings of Jesus but then doing life the same. We won't overcome this great enemy, this killer to our spiritual life by just, by just listening to some nice topics and going to church and, and, and being a part of a community, but then doing the rest of life the same. There needs to be an overhaul. And I'm not just speaking to, to new followers of Jesus here. I'm talking to all of us. I'm talking to me. I've been pastoring for over a decade and I feel like I need an overhaul. I feel like I need to renew some parts of me. I feel like I need to put into practice practices of Jesus. Three basic goals, be with Jesus, become like Jesus and do what he would do if, if he were you. The question remains, how do we accomplish this? How do we actually accomplish this? And this is where I wanna introduce you to a term, you maybe have heard it called the rule of life. Not rules. Rule of life, and a rule of life is a, is a simply a schedule and a set of practices and life rhythms that help us create space in our busy world. 
Some of us have some form of rule of life now. You have routines that you follow day in and day out. You may not even think about them. They're just like subconscious things you do each day. Well, a rule of life in Jesus helps us order our life in such a way that we can actually be with him. How many of us are like, man, I don't have time. I'm so busy. I got so many things to do. I can't open up my Bible, but I can go on social media for 700 hours out of a year. I don't, right? I don't have any time. I'm so busy. I can't, I can't, you know, read three, you know, small verses a day, but I can watch 2,700 hours of television. I can quote to you every, every line from the office. I don't have time to read a chapter of the Bible because when I do, I'm not a reader, pastor. I'm not a reader, and I know some of us aren't, you know, but I just find it too boring. When I read, I fall asleep. It's because we're hurried. We're in a hurried state. We're in a fast state. We need things fast. There's ways around that, just so you know. You can listen to the Bible with technology now. But we reorder our life in such a way so that we can actually be with him, become like him, and do what he did. Now, in the church, this this is often called spiritual disciplines. But that term kind of has some connotations connected to it that can mean something it's not supposed to mean. We, we end up meaning it's, it's these spiritual things that maybe only monks or really, really, you know, super spiritual Christians do. That we don't do. We don't, we don't do the spiritual disciplines. But we, you know, a better term for that would be practices practices. So we create a rule of life that adopts the pace of life that Jesus had by putting in these practices into our day-to-day routine. The idea behind practice is it's practical, not just a spiritual, even though it impacts us spiritually, but it's practical. So over the next few weeks, we're going to look specifically at four practices that, that, or disciplines that we can put into practice in order to unhurry our life and maybe actually become like Christ. And maybe actually have abundant life. And maybe actually find ourselves free from all these, these symptoms of hurry sickness. Maybe actually see our relationships restored. There are these, silence and solitude. How many of you, you know, you try to practice some sort of silence and you can't sit still for 15 minutes. You know, your, your legs start shaking, <laughs> you know, you start tapping, you get a little antsy, your brain starts going. Sabbath, and not, we're not just talking about Sabbath rest, that Jesus is our Sabbath rest, and that's absolutely true. Preached on that a while ago. We're actually talking about a 24-hour period of rest, like an actual Sabbath. I don't have time for a Sabbath, but we're gonna talk about that. Simplicity. Some of us have overcomplicated our life so much that we've pushed out room for Jesus. We need to go back to a more simple way of life. And finally, it's just slowing. Some of you A-types are probably like, that sounds really slow. It's meant to. But listen, I really believe that if we start to actually adopt some of these things and put them into our life, we will actually see our life change. And some of you who may already do these things, you're like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And something we just started doing as a family is we actually incorporated, we'll probably talk more about this in a couple weeks, a, a 24-hour Sabbath. Like we actually take a 24-hour period off of all 
all work, paid and unpaid. Be together to rest, to, to enjoy, to, to restore, to, to find life. And honestly, it's shifted our family. Like our boys get excited about it. They just get excited about our Sabbath. It's weird to hear like non-Jewish kids go, Sabbath, <laughs> Saturday. That's our Sabbath day, Saturday. Interestingly enough, we're in a stay-at-home order right now, which I, I don't like. And there's, there's a lot about it that I think doesn't make any sense. But let's put all that aside. What if we looked at this as an opportunity to actually create some, some rhythms in our life that could change our life when we come out of this? All of this past year and what's happening with, with COVID and Ontario, let's talk about Ontario. It's, it's frustrating, it's hard. You, know, you don't know what to believe half the time anymore, left and right, whatever. But what if... We'll, the new normal on the outside of this meant that we shifted some practices in our day-to-day -day routine that radically shifted the way we live. So that when we come back together, we are actually a faith community. We're actually in love with Jesus and we actually love prayer. And we look like him. And people see him in us. And I'm not saying that that's not there already. I'm not saying that's not who you are. But but hurry is the great killer of the spiritual life. The enemy can't make you sin. He'll make you busy because hurry will, will quench your relationship, squash your relationship with God, with your relationship with others. It's killing us and we don't even know it. And the answer is the way of Jesus in practice for so I wanna read you this, this verse again. I wanna close with this and then I'm gonna pray. And in the room and if you're watching us online, would you just close your eyes? If you're, if you're driving, watching this later, pull over. If you're running and listening to this on a podcast, stop for a moment. Let's just close our eyes and I want you to take a deep breath. Let's slow down a little bit. And I want you to hear these words as if Jesus himself is saying them specifically to you in your life. Close your eyes. Let's take a deep breath together. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to me. Find rest for your souls. Take my way of life the invitation, church. To adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. Father God, we need you. 
We need your spirit. Lord, we need your way of life. We are hurried. We are busy. We are overwhelmed. We have too much to do. And for many of us, we've normalized it. We, we see what we're talking about today as a shocker. But Lord, we have, have become so busy, we've, we've pushed out godliness and we've pushed out, pushed out practices that help us to become more like you. So in the name of Jesus, would you just begin to open our eyes and open our minds to what's been happening, what's been killing us for decades, for years, and help us to begin to make changes and put into place some, some rhythms of life that take on your pace of life, that help us to become more and more like you, not just by, by adopting some nice teachings, God, but actually becoming your apprentice, becoming a follower of Jesus so that when people look at our life, Lord, and so when we look at our life, Lord, so when we, when we come to the end of our life, we can, we can truly say it. We were with Jesus. We became like Jesus and we did life as if you were here in us right now. So help us, Lord. Renew us. Help us to make those big drastic changes, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. God, we thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for the gift of life that you gave us freedom. In Jesus, forgiveness for sin. You right the major wrong. Lord, not just, not just so we can have eternity, but so we can live in abundance now, even in the midst of all the things we got going on, even in the midst of what's happening in our, in our world right now, in our province. God, even in the midst of COVID and lockdowns, Lord, we can find, we can find abundance. And I pray for that for every person. So Holy Spirit, would you move? Regardless of age, regardless of maturity of faith, God, we all have growth. Move us towards you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life in our day. I know that I've been, I've been thinking about this for months. And and putting into practice these things more, more practically. And I know that this is just one, you know, 40-minute talk service on a Sunday morning that's just introduced you to this idea. But I really, truly believe that in our heart, if we could adopt a new rule of life, that we would see drastic change all around. I've been watching, uh, I don't want to talk longer, but I'm going to talk a little bit longer. I've, I've actually, we've, Jody and I have started watching The Chosen, which is a, a series uh, on TV on the life of Jesus. And I'll be honest, usually I strongly dislike Christian-made stuff because it's usually corny, it's really poorly done, you know, it it's, it's, doesn't have good graphics, it's just the production value is low, it's like C-level, not blockbuster quality, but... But this series uh, presents Jesus in just like, I feel like a real way. I want to encourage you if, you if you haven't watched it yet to watch it. And if you look at, I've been watching this, thinking through this idea. And if you look at the life of Jesus, it's not hurried. There's, there's, a, there's a slowness. There's a, 
There's a calmness. There's a peace about his pace of life. And I believe that's what we were intended for when we go back to the garden. We see God walking with Adam, walking with Adam in the garden. When was the last time you ran through a garden? It was the last time you hurried through the beauty of creation. We take our time. Let us slow. Let us, let, us, let us try to eliminate hurrying. Let us adopt some practices of Jesus. I want to encourage you, you're in the room online, to, to join with, with us over this journey over the next few weeks and hopefully make some changes that when we come out of COVID and maybe out of this lockdown, we just have, we have a better rhythm for life. Amen. Hey, God bless you. If you're new today, head to our website, weareparkway.com slash connect. We would love to hear from you. And if you're looking for your next step of faith, we had some baptisms. Um, One last week, we have a few coming up. We're excited about, if you're looking to be baptized, connect with us. We would love to help you in that step. We're praying for you. We're here for you if you need it. God bless you. Have a great night. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message brought you closer with Jesus and gave you a better understanding of your walk with him today. If you would like to know more about who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at parkway.church.